Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is The Michael Duke Show. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to Monday. How you guys doing? Are you, are you, are you all ready? You ready? Oh man. I gotta tell you, it is, uh, it was a hard one this morning. It was a hard one this morning. Oh man, such a nice, cool fall weekend, uh, no real rain and just enjoying a little bit of, uh, last minute sunshine before we, uh, before we get into it here, uh, for the, for the white stuff, the white stuff is coming. I saw a post earlier, uh, on, or late on Friday that was basically like, I can't believe it that we made it all the way through September with no snow in the interior. It's uh, it's unusual. I don't know. Maybe, may, maybe, maybe it'll be a nice uh, uh, winter. Maybe it'll be a mild winter. I don't. I don't know. I can't. I can't tell. I hate to make even any predictions at this point. I just have no idea what's going to be happening. Uh, I can predict what's going to be happening here on the program today, though, because uh, I am the master of the program. So I can tell you exactly what's going to be happening. Today, we are going to be diving into it with more uh, candidates. Candidates. We're going to talk this morning about... uh, uh, We got some headlines. We're going to... A couple headlines we're going to jump into and talk about. And then we're going to uh, dive into it with candidates, including uh, Kelly Chewbacca. Uh, She's going to be joining us here in hour one to discuss her candidacy and the fight uh, for uh, the U.S. Senate seat. Uh, And that's been a, oh, man, that's been a contentious mess, hasn't it? It's been a little bit, uh, been, been a little, uh, been a little nasty. Uh, for any of you who have been, uh, for any of you who have been watching um, YouTube, and uh, there were a few times this weekend when I was um, in the living room watching YouTube on the big screen on the TV, you know, and uh, boy, every twelve seconds it seems like there was another, there was another, uh, <laughs> there was another. Uh, 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 Kelly anti Kelly Shabaka ad about how she's been uh, you know raping and pillaging and stealing money from taxpayers and oh man I was just like I was watching a thirty minute YouTube video and by the end of it I was like my God I just can't take it and one more ad I'm going to go watch it on my computer where I have ad blocker because my goodness it was just astonishing. Uh, but anyway, she's going to come on and answer some of those charges that we're seeing from the Senate Leadership Fund, which is the name of the group. That's Mitch McConnell's 
um, uh, private uh, pack uh, that uh, he's been using to basically beat the P. Wadden out of Kelly. Um, and uh, it's uh, it, it's interesting. But you can see here exactly what's going on. We've got the you've got uh, Mitch McConnell and his cronies uh, there in Washington, D.C. Definitely don't want to lose Lisa. They may not agree with her all the time, but. They definitely don't want. Uh, they definitely don't want somebody who's been endorsed by President Trump or anybody else in there who may not want to play ball with them. And you could see what that. Uh, you could you could see what's going on there. But man, the ads are just the ads are so bad that in several cases, um, <clears throat> I know of at least one radio station that has refused to air the ads. Uh, in the state, and there might be another one as well, uh, because they are so unfounded, and uh, and they don't tell the, they don't tell the whole story as to what's going on. But we're gonna let Kelly; uh, she's gonna come in and defend herself on that one. She's a big girl; she can take care of that. She's gonna come in and talk with us. Then in hour two, we're gonna talk with a nonpartisan candidate, John Bennett who is running for Senate District Q up in the interior in the North Pole area. This is the seat currently being held by um, uh, being held by Rob Myers. And uh, he's the non-candidate. He's the nonpartisan candidate. Um, but uh, after going through his website and looking at some of the questions that he's answered and looking at the endorsements that he's received, um, I have a feeling that nonpartisan uh, in this regard may be code for uh, Democratic candidate. I mean, I don't know, but we'll we'll ask him. Uh, we'll ask him about his voting history and and uh, and uh, and where he's coming from. But I I just went out to the endorsement page on his website, and it's uh, you know the Alaska Center, the NEA, the uh, labor union, the locals, the operating engineers, the I mean, it's the Public Employees Association. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of money coming in there from the uh, from the labor union side, and his answers uh, all uh, seem to line up with uh, the answers that we got from uh, people like Les Guerra and others on the program. So um, anyway, we're going to talk about that with him, just get his take on it, and see if we can get some clarity on what his beliefs are and where he wants to uh, what he wants to do. So that's uh, going to be coming in. Um, they're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to come in here and, and talk about it. Um, all right. We've got, um, that's, that's, that's the show for today. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it'll be Brad Keithley and Chris Story and then, uh, uh, Russell, uh, Russell Wyatt, uh, and then Josh Church with constant, with the convention. Yes. And then Ginger Bryant, and then Ron Gillum, and oof, man, there's so just. I'm booking well into next week uh, for uh, for tomorrow's uh, or for this week's program. I'm booking well into next week already, and then I'm I'm pretty sure that we're going to be pretty full going right up into election day, which is uh, one, two, three, four, five weeks away now. Officially, five weeks away, right? Uh, so, uh, is that right? Six weeks away. One, two, three, four, five, six. Nope, five weeks away. One, two, three, four, five. All right, <clears throat> five weeks away. Um, uh, I just I was counting because you know I'm a math genius. Uh, all right. 
So, uh, he- he- headlines, headlines. Uh, what's uh, what's on the what's on the uh, what happened over the weekend that you care about? What is going on over the weekend that you care about? Well, if you live in the South Central area, you're still facing a school bus uh, driver shortage. The cohorts are set to continue. That is the uh, rotating coverage, you know, where they pick one uh, group of people and say, we'll give you bus service this week. Everybody else has got to suck, just suck eggs and, and hang out. They thought it was going to come to an end in September, but nope. They're activating the third transportation cohort starting today, and uh, they don't know exactly when it's going to be um, squared away. They were hoping to have the bus driver positions fully staffed by now, but they are unable to meet the hiring goal. The school district's website states, uh, according to KTUU, that they still need an additional 56 drivers to fill up the, the shortage. Now, they did not say how many drivers are currently employed, but they'd sent a letter last month stating that 168 drivers were on staff with another 37 in training and 20 potential candidates. So that's 57. So that would be close to their 228. But uh, right now they're saying they need 56 additional drivers. Oh, but don't worry. They've, they're introducing new software that will ensure operational efficiencies for future bus routes. I've talked to a few parents in the Anchorage area, and they're like, "I just, <laughs> just they don't even know what to do at this point." I mean, it is insane. But I mean, what I mean, what are you gonna do? I guess this is this is how you. Do. My kids never had to worry about catching the bus. Um, and my kids never had to worry about catching the bus because all they had to do is roll out of bed, get to their computers, kiss their mother, uh, and their teacher. Uh, which I guess I was being redundant there, and then um, and then get to work. So that was uh, that was one good thing around our house. But uh, yeah, oof, and and there start people are starting to get a little heated about that, a little bit heated about it. Two stories of interest that caught my attention. One, uh, the Alaska legislature is not going to intervene in a lawsuit that challenges the eligibility of David Eastman. Um, On a nine to one vote on Friday, the House Senate panel voted against the request for intervention uh, uh, from Eastman. He requested some intervention. This is the Legislative Council. Uh, ADN reports that uh, they said in an email, uh, excuse me, that he said in an email that his ability to continue serving as a sitting legislature is a function administered principally by the legislative branch. But members of the Ledge Council, which makes decisions on behalf of the legislature when it's not fully in session, debated behind closed doors for more than an hour, and then its members voted on the topic after a short public discussion. Shelley Hughes was the lone dissenter. She said she believes that if Eastman loses his lawsuit, it could encourage a variety of cases against state lawmakers and deter people from running for office. Uh, this, is, of course, is all about his... Uh, this is all about his membership in... His lifetime membership that he purchased in Oath Keepers however many years ago that he did that. Um, and, uh, the, they're, they're going to go to trial. And then there is a, uh, there's a lawsuit in, uh, in, I guess in December. Um, <clears throat> if Eastman loses, Shelley Hughes said it could have significant implications. Um, and she said an example might be if you're a member of a chamber of commerce and one of the leaders in the chamber goes rogue and advocates for overthrow of the government, all of a sudden you're in jeopardy. 
Mike Shower said this will chill freedom of speech. This will chill freedom of organization. This will chill freedom of association. Um, and uh, <clears throat> both Machiki and Stutz said they uh, could create a slippery slope by relieving legislators of responsibilities for their own actions. I, which, I mean, you know. Um, anyway, we'll uh, we'll see we'll see what happens there, but it's not looking good. And then finally, the new social media policy that they came up with is essentially um, anybody can say anything at any time. What you should do is create a social media page, official page for your thing, and then lock out all the comments. There should be no comments. It basically is an electronic bulletin board that only you can post on. Otherwise, the they may forfeit state-paid legal protection. I mean, this is what they said. Uh, Mike Schauer basically said, look, this is a significant tool to push information and shutting down two-way communication is shutting off what really is the way of the future. Uh, but they said, nope, nope, nope. Uh, Click Bishop said he favor- voted in favor of the policy and said it could be amended in the future. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's not written into stone. It can be, you know, it could be fixed in the future. So... I mean, I'm sure we, we're going to we, we, we're going to pick through this later on in the program. But uh, I just read this and it's like, you know, you got to have some kind of policies where you can moderate the forum in some way, shape or form. You've got to be able to do that. This is hello. Have you seen the Internet? You've got to have a way that you can somehow modify and moderate the comments on your pages. You got to be able to do it. But uh, apparently, no, that's not a good idea. Well, we got to uh, we got to continue. We got to go. We're going to be back with more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Kelly Shabaka, our guest, up next. He'll be back with more right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we are in the break. I got to adjust something here. Just bear with me for a second here. Is that better? Okay, that's better. All right, uh, we're in the break right now. Um, Taking a, well, too much, too much, too much. There we go. Uh, Did Peltola vote against the parental rights bill this weekend? I don't know. I wasn't following what was going on in Congress over the weekend. Forgive me. Kevin McCabe says, that's what we are going to do. I have done that. We'll probably shut off my rep Facebook page after my lawsuit. I mean, it's... You know, you you got to do what you got to do. When you get abusive, when you get people on there who are abusive, who are just spouting rhetoric, innuendo, or outright falsehoods, um, and then ad hominem, ad hominem, ad hominem, ad hominem attacking other people on the page, you know, uh, I mean, I think Shower 
Shower said it. He's got rules that when you join his page, you have to agree to. Um, and I think that's probably what's going to have to happen. You agree to abide by basically the terms of service of the page. And uh, so it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be, you know, you, you either agree to them or you don't join the page and you either abide by them or you get the, or you get the ban hammer. That's how that stuff's supposed to go. Put the phone number on, please. No, I'm not going to turn the phones on right now. I'm about to jump on with Kelly Chewbacca. Why would I put the phone numbers up, Robert? I mean, come on. Come on. Um, <clears throat> Ledge Council set a clear path to the Northern Justice Project, a 501c3, that is okay to sue lawmakers over just about anything. Go figure. Well, they, they saw how they, I mean, they did that with Sarah Palin, right? That's how they got rid of Sarah Palin, lover or hater. She was on the job until the Andy McDowell situation where every five minutes there was a new ethics violation that she had to defend and the state wouldn't pay to defend her. She had to defend herself. At one point, um, I heard that they would racked up like a $70,000 legal bill trying to fight all the ethics, the spurious, spurious ethics complaint, none of which ever stuck, but they had to defend from. So surprise, surprise, surprise. Um, all right. Um, I'm just, I'm going to go over here and making sure that, uh, um, everybody got my, uh, um, got the link for the show. Uh, okay. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, we're about two minutes out right now. Let me see what else has been going on. They don't tell their side of the whole story. It's almost as if Kelly completed her contract as required, didn't carry the same weight as the current ads. I mean, that's the thing. You know, she got she they paid eighty one thousand dollars to move her from Florida and then she quit two years in and didn't pay a dime. Well, it very clearly states that if you if you remain employed for two years, you don't have to pay anything back. It didn't matter if it was two years and one day or two years and 354 days. Anything over two years, you don't have to pay it back. So she was two years and a handful of days, and all of a sudden they're butthurt about it. I mean, isn't that the letter of the law? Isn't that what we're supposed to? I mean, what? Isn't that how it's supposed to go? Unrelenting comes to mind with those ads, says Gail. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, again, every... Boom, boom, boom. And Mary Peltola. Mary Peltola's got a pretty good ad campaign going on right now on YouTube as well. Uh, but, yeah, the YouTube campaign against her is just unrelenting. Unrelenting. Thank you, Gail. Thank you, Gail, for that. That's a, that's a perfect example. Unrelenting is the, uh, is the whole thing. Um, all right. Um, um I'm just going through here. Uh, I have rules as well, says Kev says Kevin. The liberals want to use our pages to spew their stuff to our audience because they no longer have an audience. The guy who sued me went so far as to harass my staff on our personal page page before we blocked him for not complying with our rules page. I mean, that's the thing. What's the difference between free speech and abuse, right? What's the difference between free speech and abuse? There is a there is a difference. No matter what you uh, no matter what you say. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
Okay, good morning. Well, we're waiting uh, for Kelly Shabaka. She's uh, not joined us quite yet. Um, Kevin McCabe is uh, in the chat room with us this morning, and he, of course, is one of the people that has been facing this lawsuit um, over the freedom of speech and the use of the Facebook pages for uh, for politicians. And uh, he's got a little bit of insight here. He says the Legislative Council sent a clear message to the Northern Justice Project, which is a 501c3. That is that it. Uh, the message is is that it's okay to sue lawmakers over just about anything. And he said um, that he's going to follow the guidance of the uh, of the Legislative Council. He goes, that's the way we're going to do. He goes, I, that's I've already done that, and he, which basically means he shut off all commenting on all the pages, and he's going to probably shut off his representative uh, Facebook page after his lawsuit is over. Um, and, uh, it is crazy. Now I mentioned that Mike shower had, uh, said that he'd set up rules, uh, for his page to join his page. And if they violated that, then, uh, then that was the way to be. Kevin said, yeah, he said, I have rules as well. The, he said, the liberals want to use our pages to spew their stuff to our audience because they no longer have an audience. Uh, Kevin says the guy who has sued me went so far as to harass my staff on her personal Facebook page before we blocked him for not complying with our page rules. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I, I just, I don't know how this is again, welcome to the internet. This is the internet. I can't imagine, I can't imagine not having the ability to moderate your own page. Uh, because, you know, people say the damnedest things. I mean, in this, on this program, sometimes people say the damnedest things in the chat room. Now, luckily, I've only had to, uh, I've only had to block a couple people over the last five years. Usually I just hide the comments that are the worst, uh, that are the worst comments or delete them. But I mean, usually, um, you don't have to, you, you know, Usually you don't have to deal with, but if you had no way to moderate the comments whatsoever, um, well, I guess that's their answer, right? Their answer is since you don't, since you're not supposed to moderate it, then just have no comments whatsoever. So the answer to speech you don't agree with is not more speech or abusive speech is not to be able to shut them up. The answer is just basically nobody talk about anything, you know, nobody talk about anything. Susie's in the chat room and said, I should have sued Bert Stedman when he blocked me, but I'm not that kind of person. Well, you probably should have because he was one of the ones that voted in favor of this. If you had put him in a lawsuit in a headlock, maybe he wouldn't have been able to do that. You know, I mean, that's maybe that's what we're not going to that's what's going to happen here. Um, But anyway, yeah, I mean, risk reading this uh, reading this uh, this policy is just insane. Over the past three years. Three lawmakers have been sued for blocking comments. One case against Senate President Peter Machicki was dropped after Machicki lifted the person's ban. Another, Senator Laura Reinbold, has already gone to trial and is awaiting the judge's verdict. And, of course, the third that's not mentioned in here is Kevin McCabe's, who is currently uh, <clears throat> duking it out uh, over that stuff right now. The current social media policy from the legislature dates back to 2011. 
oh man, 10 years, things have totally changed in 10 years. I mean, totally changed uh, in the last 10 years. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy, but that's where we sit 10 years from now. The revised guidance, which officially they're just recommendations, says that lawmakers shouldn't use a personal account to talk about legislative matters. Most of the people that I've seen have actual senator so-and-so or representative so-and-so pages, so I don't know as why that would be a problem. I'd say if I was a lawmaker, I would probably hide my personal page from everyone except for my friends. Just don't share anything that – I mean, I think I would just basically be in full-on – you know, hide the kids mode. Like there's nothing on there that you can't share any of my stuff um, because you just don't know in this day and age. I mean, you you like a picture, you like, you know, here's a recipe for deep Southern barbecue. Oh, why do you like the deep South? Is it because you're a racist? I mean, what? I mean, literally, I mean, that's what's... Um, This new policy says that if the legislature does use social media, the policy calls for them to create an official account and instructs them to, quote, not open the account to comments or other interactions with the public. Well, why not just have a web page then? Why not just have a web page where nobody can comment? I mean, it's electronic. It is what it is. I mean, I, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. But that's 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 how it's going. Um, if the legislature does that anyway, if you choose to ignore the guidance above, then do not filter, delete or hide any comments and do not block or ban any persons. If a legislator does that anyway, you personally assume all risk and responsibility for legal defense of the action. I just I mean, OK, way to. Uh, you know, way to way to way to look out for your look out for your fellow you know members and way to protect free speech and and everything else. Uh, and of course, we've seen, as I just mentioned earlier, that uh, with the um, um, with the uh, uh, with Sarah Palin and the ethics complaints that she received, they saw how well that worked. I mean, I mean, literally, it was like every three or four days there was a new ethics. There was one stacked on top of another. I just remember covering this and was be like, wow, that's insane. One right after the other. And it sounds like the Northern Justice Project is the one that is uh, is pushing all this. Kevin McCabe, uh, again, who is in the chat room and also said, um, um, I have a friend who has approached the Northern Justice Project for two weeks. She is a conservative and has been blocked by three members of the Anchorage Assembly on Facebook. But the Northern Justice Project won't respond to her. I mean, wait, I thought you guys were all about, um, I mean, we we thought you were all about freedom of speech. Shouldn't you be protecting everyone's speech? Or is it just those that um, that you agree with? Right? I mean, the so the conservatives don't have a... Uh, I mean, conservatives don't have a, a chance in there, but you know, you'll be you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely <sighs> okay. Well, anyway, uh, so that was the uh, that was the full weight of that story: the social media blocking and banning. I just i 
I I had to wonder. I had to wonder when this was going to come up and and come out again. I I I just I just don't know. Um, I would say that anybody. I mean, when it comes, I'm going to be interested to see what comes out of the uh, Laura Reinbold, um, the judicial decision from Laura Reinbold's, and the one from Kevin McKay, because um, I think that they're it's that's two they're two different they're both conservatives, but I think that there's two different stories there, and especially as Kevin has said in the chat room, if uh, if this if one of these people that were blocked were harassing people on their private pages that goes above and beyond the scope of the public forum. And so he might be able to, but I mean, I imagine it's probably not cheap to have to hire a lawyer to fight against these big nonprofit, you know, that this is what these people do. They raise money and then they pay their, they're, they're usually lawyers involved already in, and they pay them and then the private citizen or the legislator has got to get their own attorney. So it's still going to be expensive. But I think it will be interesting to see uh, what kind of precedent can be set in uh, in these cases. Now, in the case of Laura Reinbold, some of the things that I saw, again, this is just anecdotally, some of the things that I saw was that she just shut people down that she um, uh, was arguing with or didn't agree with necessarily. Um, I think there's a difference between the abuse and the disagreement. But, um, again, I'm not fully – uh, that's just my initial reaction. I did not read all of the posts, just a portion of them. Um, and uh, so we'll see what happens. But this is, the, you know, the bottom line is, is that it has a chilling effect on speech overall uh, in one direction or the other. Either you're the legislator who feels like he can't communicate with his constituency or you can only do it in, uh, you know, via telephone or whatever. But, you know, that you can't post in the new – I mean, this is the new way. I think Mike Shower said it best, that this is the – you know, that this is the uh, – this is shutting off what really is the way of the future, that two-way communication. I mean, look at this. Look at what I'm doing today. I am broadcasting on social media as well as on the radio, for those of you who are listening on the radio. But I am broadcasting on social media as well. I mean, I'm out on I'm out on Facebook, and we're having a two way conversation as we speak right now on social media. So this is, I mean, this this is the way. This is the way. This is the way forward. The way of the future. The way of the future. This is how things are going to be. Um, I mean, it. Uh, it anyway, so frustrating. So frustrating. Didn't Sarah get sued for wearing a ski-doo coat? That was actually, it was an Arctic cat jacket. But yeah, I mean, that was the thing. She went to the start of the Iron Dog wearing a, uh, a an Arctic cat um, um, uh, a parka or jacket, jacket or parka or whatever. And she was sued for utilizing her office illegally to endorse a... I mean, it was the, again, there, I don't remember how many complaints there were. There had to be nearly a dozen complaints and none of them were, they were all, none of them, none of them stuck, but she had to, I mean, again, the number that I heard was $70,000 in legal fees trying to defend herself. You know, um, I mean, it was, what, what are you going to do? Uh, Kevin says, uh, it's up to $5,000 already personal money. So having to pay to serve 
Come be a legislator, they said. You'll enjoy it, they said. You won't be sued, they said. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Um, and uh, anyway, it's <sighs> politics, man. This is why I should have stayed in bed this morning. I was tempted. I was tempted, but two hours of dead air would not have been good for you guys. So, I mean, I'm here. I'm here. Um, all right. I, I don't know what happened to Kelly Shabaka. We, uh, we were sending the links. I've sent all the text messages. I've sent the emails. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but, um, well, we'll, we'll see what we can talk about here in the next segment. Um, we may, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, uh, open up the phone lines or something. I don't know. We'll see. So we'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return with more in just a moment, and hopefully, fingers crossed, Kelly Chewbacca. We'll be back right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Um, I need you guys to briefly talk amongst yourselves because... uh, I got to talk on the phone real quick. I got to figure out what's going on. Back with more. Hold on. Disappointed. That's a movie reference for those of you who don't know. Disappointed. Gary Oldman. Um, that's me though. Uh, a little disappointed. Little disappointed. Uh, Kelly Chewbacca will not be joining us today. Uh, her handler said that she thought she had. Texted me over the weekend. Turns out she texted somebody else that uh, Kelly, turns out Kelly was going to be traveling this morning. So, okay. Well, I guess you know what that means. 
time to open up the telephones. So let's do that. Try not to blast your ears out here. Hold on a second. Turn all this on. Thanks for calling the call-in line of the Michael Duke. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll put the phone lines up and on on the deal and man, I just I just don't I'm I'm disappointed. Um, whoever gets the movie quote is the rock star of the day, and I will I will give you tribute. I will give you electronic tribute for those of you who recognize the disappointed um okay one of my favorite movies uh all right phone lines are open there we go everything's open locked on ready to go um uh oh joshua lot boom see see it, Josh had an unfair advantage. He's a good friend of mine, so he knows, but that's good. That's good. Hello, my friend. How are you? How's life in the lower 48? Uh, it's good to see you, my friend. And you are right. Uh, the Fifth Element. Uh, Book of Eli. Also disappointed. Uh, but no, it was Fifth Element. Good guess, though. Good guess. Okay. Well, I've got the phone lines going on, and we are ready to go. Um, Kevin Kevin Sorbo quoted that in Hercules, but I'm sure that doesn't count. No. I mean, you know what? I can't ever say that I've seen a full episode. I probably have. I know I've seen a full episode of Xena, Warrior Princess. I probably saw an episode of Hercules. But, uh, you know, those those programs, they don't age well. I've tried to watch something here. What did I try to watch the other day? And I was just like, oh, this is not holding my... Oh, it was Stargate. I tried to start the Stargate because I'd never seen the full series. And I was like, oh, I'll watch this. Man, I couldn't. I got into like episode three and I was like, oh, this is just so bad. And I love it. Oh. Tried to find that movie for my daughter to watch this week and could not figure out where it was streaming. I don't know. I have it on DVD. Um, but I've seen it. I say we watch it on Netflix or whatever. Um, I don't know. Uh, all right. Man, this this conversation was better than all the politics. Maybe we should just talk about movies for the next segment. Maybe that's what we should do. I mean, I'm I'm all about that. Kevin's cor- Kevin Sorbo is a conservative. His wife is a radio talk show host, Sam Sorbo. Um, have you ever followed Kevin Sorbo? His son on TikTok has got some of the funniest TikToks with his dad all the time. The funniest stuff. I dig it. I love it. All right. Um, we're 30 seconds out. So it's just going to be you, me, and the phone calls here for the next little bit. I guess that's what we're going to jump into. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, share. Like it, follow, subscribe, and ring the bell. We haven't even, ding, we haven't even hit 400 yet of subscribers on YouTube. I don't know what it's going to take. Something, something. Here we go. Let's do it.
Okay. Well, I got some good news, and I got some bad news. The, <laughs> the bad news was... Kelly Shabaka will not be joining us this morning. Her handler said, oh, my gosh, I thought I sent you a text this weekend. She ended up having to travel. Uh, but it looks like I sent the looks like I sent the text message to somebody else and not to you. So sorry. So Kelly's not going to be joining us this morning, which means that we are um, got a little bit of time here that we can fill. I mean, I could just go over some other headlines or we could take some phone calls. I opted to take some phone calls because me bloviating for, you know, 15 minutes is probably you guys didn't need any more of that. So, I've opened up the phone lines. 907-433-3150. This hour of the program, by the way, being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. If you are if you go anywhere remote in the state, and that could be just driving between Fairbanks and Anchorage, there are some remote spots in there. Trust me, no cell phone coverage, no nothing. If you're going to remote areas of the state and you like to send text messages, emails, you like to surf the internet, you like to be able to make phone calls, the folks at Satellite West are the ones that you need to talk to. They have got uh, the technology to hook you up to the Iridium Satellite Network with a variety of devices. And, of course, make sure that you are in constant contact no matter where you are in the state. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. So go ahead and uh, jump on over there and check them out. And uh, don't forget to thank them for sponsoring the program. All right, let's uh, go over to the phones this morning and see what you guys have to say. Man, I had a bunch of notifications, but there's only one phone call. I don't know why. It was like bing, 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 like a bunch of people joining, but there's only – anyway. Oh, now there's two. All right, let's go over to the phones and see what you guys have to say. We'll start things off fresh this morning and uh, see what's happening. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Robert from Anchorage. Mike, hello, good morning. Hello. Good morning, Robert. What's on your mind, sir? Uh, last week I commented that Zelensky over there in Ukraine is a joke – and, you know, the war and everything seems like it's it's just not a real thing. There's, you know, there, Russia, why can't Russia get over there and, and take over where Zelensky is or the capital of Ukraine and say, hey, we we own Ukraine now. Uh, and you commented that maybe you, you didn't think that uh, that was a good comment. So I was wondering if, if that was the case or not. Well, I mean, first of all, Ukraine is a sovereign nation. You saying, why don't we just let Putin or why don't we just why doesn't he just go in there and take over? That'd be saying, like, why doesn't Biden just march troops into uh, Quebec and, you know, just take over? Because, hey, you know, uh, we've got that. And by the way, not a real thing. There's thousands and thousands of people who have died. So it is a real thing. Um, it, I mean, whether you liked Ukraine or you didn't like Ukraine, Ukraine was a sovereign nation and some other, uh, some other country rushing across the border with tanks and missiles and guns and planes and everything else. I can't see how that's a good thing, Robert. Well, they have ties to the Bidens and every, everybody else that is, uh, trashing our own country. Um, you know, what, you know, why, why, and, and I know there's people dying and everything, but why would they have to, uh, trash? Ukraine and make everybody leave. Even the old Russian, the young Russian men are leaving because they don't want to be in a draft. 
Right. Why can't they just go in there and, and end the war in one day and say, okay, we, you know, we're Russia, we take over, and and they don't. Russia doesn't care about the UN sanctions or anything. Okay. They don't need to care. They they own all the gas and oil they need, and 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 the and the, and the crops, the foods. They don't have to abide by anyone's rules. So, but I, I think Zelensky is a is a, is like is a dirty politician, and you know he does need to be uh, removed. But you know, I, I just don't have any respect for the uh, for the whole thing going on there because I, I can't believe that Russia can no longer go into a country, a tiny little country, and take it over in a week or or a day. Well, but, okay, wait a second. I'm, I got to unpack everything you just said. First and foremost, even if you disagree and think somebody's a dirty politician, uh, which you're saying Zelensky, you think Zelensky is. Uh, because the Biden administration or the Biden family has links into Ukrainian government sources or whatever. Um, do you think that that justifies a war that kills thousands of people? I mean, that's my first question. Second of all, um, the fact that you should say Russia should just go in there and declare it. Are you so you're for aggression uh, of you know coming and just invading other countries when you don't think that or when you don't agree with it or when you want a buffer state between you and NATO, you, you're okay with that? I guess I'm trying to wrap my brain around that, Robert. Well, if if Ukraine is dirty with our dirty government, okay, yeah, I would like to see Russia take it over, and maybe it'll be different. I would hope that it would be different, not as dirty and and affecting our country. You know, look, do you look think, who's running our country now. We think, have a puppet man. Do you think Russia even, uh, can't even remember who died? He can't remember a lady that he worked with that died a couple months ago. Right. He's, he's asking this to where she is. Okay, I, I I understand you don't like Biden. I'm not a fan of Biden either. But, I mean, do you think that Russia is not full of its own dirty laundry? Do you think that Russia, in its quasi-dictatorial or communistic state, do you think that, that that's the answer? Because you don't like Joe Biden and he had some dealings with people in Ukraine. Let Russia go in there and just, and just flatten Ukraine and kill thousands of people and that's okay? Well, some people are saying they're killing their own people, Mike. We don't know what's okay. going on All there, right. really. Um, they're not really covering it uh, so, like they covered the Middle East war. You know, we're not seeing like we, you know, things like we did back. You know, was it 20 years ago? You know, and, you know, and I know Russia is a communist country, but it's not as bad, you know, as what we've got here. We've got. We, see what they did to our, our president. Okay. You don't see them doing that okay. to Putin. Robert, I mean, I if you say that Russia is not as bad as what we have here. I'm sorry, my friend, you haven't been paying attention to what's going on over there with their political opponents being poisoned, killed, imprisoned. I mean, for what you just said on the radio in Russia, they would come hunt you down and figure it out. And you would be, in, you, you, you know, again, I uh, yeah, you could disagree with Ukraine. You can disagree with Ukraine. You can uh, you know, you can you can make the connections between the Bidens and everything else. But to. Uh, to advance and to endorse uh, a campaign of uh, of aggression, a campaign of terror, and say it's okay, they should just go in and take. I mean, I can't even wrap my brain around that. That is so. That's so just so wrong and foreign to me. Um, again, I don't like the president either, but he's the president for now. We'll see what happens in the next election cycle, and then to say that the United States is worse than Russia in its current state. Uh, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, man. We're still the freest nation on the face of the earth. We, we got our blisters and boils and warts, man. Don't, don't, don't think we don't.
And we are trying, it seems like, in a lot of ways to head down that road to socialism and communism, but we are not there. And they are in that dictatorial state in Russia, the quasi-socialist. They're in like the halfway state between <laughs> dictatorship and communism. So I, I just, you know, thousands of people die. And they're killing their own. They're, they're, so this whole thing is a moon landing thing, right? We never got to the moon. It's just all it was done in a soundstage. This whole thing is that the Ukrainians are just killing their own people to blame it on Russia. Mm, no, 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 no. Sorry, my friend. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? G-Man calling from Fairbanks. Good morning, sir. What's on your mind? Well, here's the problem to the whole. Here's here's all here's here's all of our problem. The problem is is uh, nobody's talking about it. Hannity, Mark Levin, Shapiro, um, all of them. None of them are talking about it. We have uh, we use ESNS, Smartmatic, and Dominion voting tabulators around the United States. Alaska uses Dominion, and they just bought all new ones. Uh, the problem is election fraud. It's been going on since 1992. Mike Lindell uh, interviewed the guy that invented the 5149 flip. Actually, it was under the Republican Party. I think it was George Bush. It's been going on since 1992. We don't have free and fair elections. I really believe that Miller beat Murkowski. I believe that ranked choice voting got voted down. But they have programmed our voting tabulators to run algorithms. And that is the problem. That's the problem. That's the answer to all of our problems. They don't have, uh, they don't win elections freely. Uh, there's more than 70 million conservative voters. Uh, anyway, I'm glad that you got the show. I, I'm glad I got to say that. Uh, well, nobody's talking about it. Just in the last one month, they're starting to talk about it. There was precincts in Pennsylvania. Trump won all seven swing states. But it's not only at the presidential election level. It goes all the way down to the school board and everything yeah. in between. They can install anybody they want Look. inside of that Right. Well, look, let, let me let me say this, G man. I uh, you know I've followed this a little bit since the election and watched some of these things. I don't know if the corruption is as widespread as as many people, including yourself, have indicated. I would say that there's definitely some problems in the voting system, and even if even if nothing else, the appearance of impropriety and the appearance of it kind of demands that people that 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 the powers that be and the people look at this. And try and restore the faith in the voting system, because whether the allegations are true or false, the problem is, is that it is it is decreasing our um, decreasing our um, confidence in the voting system itself. And I'm concerned about that almost more than anything else, that even the appearance of impropriety is wrong. And we need to have, uh, you know, an overall, um, I think, review of what's going on. Um, and I, I hope that, I hope that there is some kind of review in the coming year or two on this. And I think it has to be done at the state by state level. And I know that's one of the things that Mike Shower was working on with his voter integrity bill was working on that as well. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. All right. Well, thank you, G-Man for your call. All right. We've got to, uh, we got to go. We got to, got to, got to go. 
Hour two is dead ahead. John Bennett is going to be our guest. He is a nonpartisan candidate for Senate District Q. I'm going to turn the phone lines off for a little bit here. We'll be back. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you have got to go, have a good day. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you on the other side. Okay. All right. Um... Let me go into, uh, let me go into the chat room. Let me go into the chat room this morning uh, and see what uh, else is going on. Don't forget Kevin Sorbo and Andromeda. No, I, I did. I watched that too. That was a, that was kind of a fun show. I did enjoy that, Andromeda. Uh, otherwise known as Hercules in space, says Chris. Uh, all right. Uh, and then Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod was hilarious. Corbin, my man, Corbin, 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 my man, my man, my man, my man. Um, all right. Years ago, says uh, Sandy, I talked about Sam Sormer coming up to Alaska to be a keynote speaker at our idea curriculum fair, but our statewide fair coordinator would not follow up or never did find out why. It would have been awesome. Yeah, no. Having Sam Sorbo up here would be awesome. She is uh, an amazing... Uh, an amazing uh, uh, host. She does a good job. Um, Russia only has 100 million people. Uh, Russia actually has 148.7 million people. But uh, I'm just trying to keep everybody accurate here. Um, Chris says that Robert needs to move to Russia and enjoy the lifestyle they have there. The Hague would disagree with Robert. I would agree with that. Um uh, recommended uh, 1 million BPD cut to push prices back up. Okay. Uh, okay. Miller did beat Murkowski. Well, he beat her in the in the uh, beat her in the uh, primary for sure. The question was who's counting the counters when it came to the write-in campaign, right? Uh, hopefully the borough will get rid of them. The Dominion voting machines, I think, is what Laura's talking about this week. Uh, and I know that the Matsu borough is also looking at, uh, also looking at getting those out of there. Um, election fraud is rampant and historical. Uh, exactly, Mike. Restore faith in all area. I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, whether the, whether the, the allegations are true or false, there needs to be an investigation, if nothing else, just to at least clear the smoke from the battlefield. You know what I mean? And just obfuscation of all that stuff. Um, lots of smoke. Uh, lots of smoke referring to the elections. We need one person, one vote for one candidate on one day. The incessant elections are also a problem. I mean, you know what I would like to see? This is just me personally. I think they need to consolidate all the votes to be in one together you know why the fairbanks north star borough their their vote is tomorrow 
right, for their municipal elections. And then we got then it's another four or five weeks to the general. Why don't you just move all the elections to one day? Everybody can get all get it all done in one day. Why does the municipality of Anchorage have their their elections in April? I mean, like completely contravening the whole. I mean, I don't understand that at all. You know, all around the state, various elections in various days and various times. Can we just get it all together? I mean, the costs alone of holding an election outside of you've already you're already holding an election. Why not just have everything come out to the general? You, you know, have everything done in November. Why? I, you know, I don't understand. I've never understood that. For me, it's it's the inefficiency of it that just bothers me. Why can't we just have it efficient? Just do it all at once. I mean, how much does it cost to throw an election? It's got to be hundreds of thousands of dollars for a municipality the size of Fairbanks or Matsu. I mean, why, you know, why? Because the liberals like to confuse people and mix it all up, says Sandy. Kevin says, yep, all the voting on one day, a state voting holiday so Republicans can vote and help with the election. I'm fine with that. One day just seems like it would make a lot more sense. But what do I know? Um, All right. So we're going to jump into this here with uh, John Bennett, who should be joining us this morning. (laughs) The way today's show is going, I just don't even know. Uh, Speaking of ballot measure two and dark money, the Murkowski ads by outside groups. I know. I know we were going to talk about that with Kelly with Kelly Shabaka this morning because, man, I mean, all I, again, I watched YouTube this weekend, and it seemed like every four and a half seconds there was another ad uh, for uh, from Mitch McConnell's Senate Leadership Fund, which is that that's the that's the ones that are doing all the train ads with the, you know, with which I had <clears throat> it's ironic. It's ironic to me that the 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 gist of the ad is, um, well, Kelly Shabaka did this and this and this, and she doesn't want to get on. She wants to get on the gravy train as being a senator. So they're admitting that being a senator is part of the gravy train. I thought that was ironic that you know nobody picked up that little subtle piece. But, I mean, it's like every five seconds there was a, a 10, 15, 30-second ad about how bad it was. I mean, I don't know how much the Senate Leadership Fund is spending in the state of Alaska, but it is a flat-out ton of money. All right, I see John Bennett has joined us in the uh, – I see he's joined us in the green room, but he's not quite ready to test uh, everything yet. But we are 30 seconds away from rejoining the radio. So we're going to do this on the fly and hope that his audio is good to go. The Michael Duke Show continues. Your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Rejoin the radio right now. Please like and share, like and follow, ring the bell, do the youtube things, all that stuff. Here we go. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. 
the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com for the audio-only live stream. That's where you also find the podcast and links to all the social media sites where we simulcast the show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, broadcasting live on plain old terrestrial radio across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning, Hour 2 of the big radio broadcast today. And we're continuing, as we will be continuing for the next five weeks, with our candidate interviews, candidate forums, even debates. We're working on a debate right now uh, between uh, Ron Gillum and Justin Ruffridge. And uh, I'm kind of trying to put together one between Mike Schauer and uh, and Doug Massey. And uh, anyway, it's going to be the next five weeks is going to be fun. But we're continuing our candidate discussions this morning. Right now, we're going to be joined by John Bennett. John is an undeclared candidate for the state Senate in District Q, which is the former District B up in the North Pole area surrounding Fairbanks. That's the seat currently held by Rob Myers. And John Bennett uh, joins us this morning to discuss. Let's bring him on board and see what uh, he has to say this morning. Good morning, John. How are you this morning? I'm fine. How are you doing, Mike? Good. I'm going to adjust your volume down a little bit here just to see where things go. Uh, appreciate you coming on board and joining us this morning. And uh, we're going to get things kicked off and find out more about you. And let's uh, let's uh, let's get to it. So first and foremost, tell me a little bit about John Bennett, who you are, where you are, where you came from. And uh, we'll get some backstory here to get started. Uh, I was an Army brat. My father was an NCO. I traveled all over the U.S. and Okinawa, lived all over both coasts and the south. I came to Alaska for the pipeline, worked out labors for a dozen or so years. Mostly after the pipeline, I worked on stringing crews and on the slope and then concrete and demolition in town here. Also set net in Bristol Bay for eight years. Uh, in the interim, uh, during the 80s, during the recession, I did a lot of odd jobs, worked in canneries a couple of years, drove cab, night shift cab in Fairbanks, which is an experience. Uh, during the slow seasons, I went to school. It took me a while to go to school. I ended up getting a BS in geology. I did some exploration work. Uh, actually worked at Fort Knox. I just had a family and all, and I couldn't live on the wages they paid as geologists. So I went back to wait to laboring. And then I got a job at DOT, which I ended up working at DOT for 28 years as an engineer and geologist and then as a hydrologist. Um, a workers advocate in my time at DOT, uh, as a union steward, 
representing people in all sorts of different cases. I organized several areas. I organized in Washington, North Pole for nurses up the university. I negotiated several union contracts with the state for ASCA, the largest uh, state union in the in Alaska. Um, you know, the last day to file, I was reading the paper and I read about the two guys running and I said, you know, I can't vote for either one of these people. So unbeknownst to my wife, I started filling out the paperwork and uh, picked her up at work and said, Let, if, unless there's strong objections, I'm going to take this to the state building. So threw my name in the hat. Right. Uh, let's talk about that Genesis moment. I mean, was it just the fact that you couldn't agree with the other two candidates? Was there a specific reason that you filed or joined? Or have you always been involved in politics? Give us a little bit of a background there. Uh, I keep my thumb on the pulse of politics. You know, it's a lot different when you're sitting around with your buddies talking politics. Uh, being a union activist, I've had to keep track of a lot of things. And I'm just worried away things are going in the state. I think the legislature goes down, they spend a lot of time down there, they put a band-aid budget out, and essentially there's no long-term planning. And we really don't have a vision for the future. Um, I think the ranked choice voting, I am in favor of that. I know there's a lot of people saying it's not working and it's going to hurt our state. I think it's just the opposite. I think it's going to cut out the extremes on both ends, cut out the primary system. Um, it might need tweaking, but I think we should give it a chance. And I think it, we have to send you know, more middle-of-the-road moderate people or people that can get along and, and negotiate uh, compromise. I, Right now, we're not seeing that. You know, people go around and, you know, they go and sit in different corners, wear different color ties and, and not get anything accomplished. And I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. I want to be a one-term senator, get stayed on a good course so my kids and my grandkids can live here. John Bennett is our guest, candidate for Senate District Q. Uh, John, you file as a nonpartisan. Um, is that what you've always been? Have you been a nonpartisan? Have you been a Republican or a Democrat? What uh, What's your background? Uh, I mean, it sounds like coming out of the labor, being a labor advocate and coming out of the labor unions, uh, that would be unusual for uh, the more conservative side. You consider yourself to be a moderate, liberal, conservative. Where do you Where do you put yourself? Uh I probably, I'm a progressive. I have a, well, not redneck tendencies, but I, I'm, I'm conservative. I, I hunt. I, I own a lot of guns, all of them unregistered. Um, I do believe in the death penalty. So that's my conservative side. I do believe in accountability, rule of law, which it should be administered fairly and evenly, which is another thing I, I'm not seeing you where people are interpreting law from their viewpoints. Um, you got a lot of progressive values. You know, I do believe that 
people should be able to do what they want when they want. Um, I think both sides believe in freedom. I think they just have a different view of how it's carried out. Uh, I, I have voted generally independent, nonpartisan for most of my time in Alaska. I've been here 48 years and I might have registered. I registered as a Democrat so I could vote for Mike Gravel. And then again, I voted, I joined so I could caucus for Bernie Sanders. Okay. Um, you, I imagine that you've gone out and had a chance to interact with some of the constituency in your district and talk to some people. Um, to me, that's always the most interesting when I ran for office, that was the most interesting part of campaigning to me, as I love to talk to people on their doorstep and get a feel for what they cared about and what they were looking at. Um, what, uh, what have your constituency said to you? I mean, have you gone out and knocked on doors? Have you talked to them directly? Uh, and if so, what are the big issues that they're, they're concerned about? Is it the PFD? Is it the budget? Is it crime? Is it uh, inflation, rank choice? What is it that uh, they're talking to you about? Um, fuel oil is a huge one up here. Now we, we, we're paying diesel prices. Now they just jacked it up so we couldn't use number two. And the number one diesel has less BTUs and it costs more. Um, when you fill up your car, I mean, it, it, it empties your wallet. So those are always a main concern. I was reading a paper the other day, and it was a one-bedroom place for $900. And on top of that, they were looking for a roommate because they couldn't afford the $900. And the next week, I saw an ad in the paper, and there was a $2,000 studio. So affordable housing is a, a, another issue that keeps coming up. Child care, you know, people can't afford to pay child. It's either not available or it's so prohibitively expensive, they can't afford to go to work and make the wages that we cur currently paid. Uh, personally, I think the minimum weight has to be jacked up. You know, I, we're, we're losing people everywhere you go in Fairbanks. There's help wanted signs everywhere. It's crossed all industries. And we're not keeping people here. They have no place to live where they can afford, can't afford the fuel. Um, yeah, they're being chewed up. So at the minimum wage has to be raised. Uh, we can't go on like this. And that has to be indexed to inflation so we don't get in the same predicament. And this is the reoccurring problem. We're not looking long term. You can't put a band aid on and say, oh, We'll look at it next year, you know, and then you send the same people down there and they sit there and start bickering and uh, they can't agree on anything and nothing gets accomplished. You put a Band-Aid on and, and the cycle continues. Uh, John Bennett, our guest uh, candidate for Senate District Q up in the Fairbanks North Pole area. Um, John, uh, the PFD is a big issue for those listeners here on the program and across the state, uh, in the interior, as well as the rest of the state. Um, what's your position on the statutory PFD? Uh, should we be paying at the statutory level? Um, uh, if, uh, if not, should we be changing the law? Uh, what is, uh, you know, what's your position on the PFD for the, uh, for the folks, the people's money? What, uh, what say you? 
The permanent fund has to be protected. The corpus of the permanent fund, you see how volatile it is now. You know, when the war broke out with Russia and Ukraine, we lost like $7 billion overnight. We just gave out another $2 billion in, in dividends. Uh, this is during the good times. We, we've had a, a bull market since 08. Um, permanent funds doing well. If there's a downturn, an extended downturn in the market, we keep sucking on the permanent fund for the dividends, it's unsustainable. So I think that uh, we should decouple the permanent fund dividend from the permanent fund corpus and come up with some kind of formula where it's based solely on income from oil companies and mineral reserves. The permanent fund dividend is decoupled from the corpus. You say you want to protect the, you say you want to protect the corpus. Uh, I'm assuming that means that you're in favor of uh, repealing SB 26, the POMV formula then? Oh, definitely. Okay. No, I, I, that, that, that was a failed experiment. We shouldn't be subsidizing oil companies. They, and right now, I mean, they're making record profits and we're paying record prices. I mean, they're, they're, we can't go on like this. Oh, you think you're? Ta I'm talking about SB 20. You're thinking talking about SB 21. I'm talking about SB 26, the law that changed the draw from the permanent fund corpus and the fund overall to a percent of market value. So it's a flat percentage versus, um, you know, it doesn't have any kind of protections for the vagaries of the market. Yeah, I, I don't think the permanent fund should be coming out, or the dividends should be coming out of the permanent fund. There should be a separate entity. Well, and I, and and I and I just want to go back to what you were just saying. I mean, the the permanent fund formula, the PFD formula, that's been in statute for four decades. Um, I mean, it's based. The money doesn't come out of the permanent fund corpus. It comes out of the earnings reserve of the fund, and it's based on a five-year rolling average of the performance of the fund. And so, it's the only thing that right now that inflation proofs or protects against the. You know, when the market goes down, the PFD goes way down. When the market goes up, the PFD goes up because again, it's based on a five-year rolling, and it takes a few years for those things to come back. Like when we lost all that money in '07 and '08. Um, you know, we saw our dividends cut in half for five years until they rolled off the formula. So, I mean, it is the only thing right now that is addressing the issue of bears and bull markets. Um, and again, the money doesn't come out of the corpus. It comes out of the earnings reserve of the fund. The corpus is still protected, whereas with the POMV formula, they could overdraw the earnings reserve and pull from the corpus at that point. So, uh, I mean, does comment on that, I guess. The corpus should be reserved for running the government. Right now, well, last year was an exception because the price of oil went back up. Now we're back down, what, $86 a barrel. We can't keep depending on the oil as our main income. It hasn't been for years, except, you know, like last year. We're going to have to start looking at increasing our infrastructure, accessing our mineral wells as a transition away from oil and then go to a more sustainable economy that isn't totally dependent on one industry. I mean, this is where we are. We're, we're dependent on the stock market and oil. And if they go down, we're screwed. All right. John Bennett is our guest uh, candidate, nonpartisan candidate for Senate District Q up in the interior. That's the seat currently held by Rob Myers. 
We're going to continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. John Bennett is our guest. Uh, I want to go back uh, to what you were just saying a second ago, John, and get some clarification. You're saying the corpus should be reserved for government spending, for government funding. Um, I guess my question is this. Uh, The government already receives 75% of the oil uh, royalties. Uh, they receive all the corporate taxes. They receive all the severance taxes and mineral taxes and fees and everything else. 25% gets deposited into the permanent fund of the royalties only. And then the permanent fund is spun off of that 25% that's deposited. The earnings that are spun off every year go into a separate portion of the fund. And that's where the dividends come from. And that's where Hammond envisioned that 50-50 split coming where government would get half of those earnings and the people would get half of those earnings. Are you saying that the permanent fund, on top of all the money that they get already, that the that the government should have access to all of those earnings and all of the corpus of the fund? Is that kind of is that what you're saying? I think the permanent fund should be directly tied to oil revenue and mineral revenue. And when the oil goes up, the permanent fund goes up. And and how does that protect, I guess my question is, how does that protect the fund in the future? How does that protect, you, you say you want to protect the permanent fund corpus. Explain to me how that would protect the permanent fund corpus in the future. You're taking a percentage of the oil revenue and devoting it to permanent fund and then the, a percentage and putting it into permanent fund dividend. And as the, you know, oil and minerals are finite resources. Eventually, the permanent fund dividend is going to have to go away. We, we just can't keep expecting the government to give us money. Once oil's gone and the minerals are gone, and it's not going to be in my lifetime or your lifetime. We're going to have to face reality. Right now, we could sit there and give every every Alaskan, we give them a hundred grand, do away with the permanent fund. What are we going to do? I, I guess my question is because I mean the, the the as the permanent fund was envisioned, the permanent fund and the permanent fund dividend, two separate things. I mean Hammond envisioned it as the pump that once the oil wells run dry, it would be a money pump. I mean, and if there was, you know, we got eighty million dollars. Obviously, the goal is to for it to grow every year as it does. Um, but when the when the oil runs out, then that that is the pump that keeps pumping money back into the uh, uh, into the system and is kind of the self fulfilling you know self filling bucket. Um, the only way that we would do away with the permanent fund is if the government grows beyond um, you know what we have right now grows beyond what we can afford uh, at this point. Um, I mean the. The, the earning the money for the, is in the earnings reserve account. It doesn't affect the corpus. The corpus can still grow, um, and or at fall as the markets may be. But then again, the permanent fund formula accounts for that. If it falls, then the dividend goes down. If it goes up, tying it directly to a volatile thing like oil revenue on a yearly basis, 
that's difficult uh, and would be it would be problematic. And I don't think I don't see how it would protect the corpus of the fund. As and maybe I'm off on a tangent here. As the oil revenues go down, you're putting less and less into the corpus. You can't keep drawing down on the earnings reserve. You can't keep, we're going to get to a point. Oh, we've gone through $20 million with all our accounts in the last 10 years. Same thing can happen to the permanent fund if we, if we keep drawing down on things that we don't need to. Right now, the money should be devoted to expanding our infrastructure. But there's so a, we, the twenty access, the twenty billion you're talking about that came that was for monies that we received and we pot, and we put into the CBR the Constitutional Budget Reserve that didn't come out of the permanent fund those were earnings that were excess earnings but that's a function of having a budget that was too large for the revenue that we were generating that was pulling from our savings account that had nothing to do with the permanent fund itself. Well, we can do the same thing with the permanent fund. We're going to end up running out of all our reserve accounts hold, and say, okay, we, we demand. Hold on. Hold on a second, John. I'm sorry. I got to return to the radio here. Don't uh, don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, we're continuing now. John Bennett is our guest. He is a nonpartisan candidate for Senate District G, uh, Q, I'm sorry, Senate District Q, which was Senate District B, all the letters and numbers, uh, up in the North Pole area. That's the seat that's currently being held uh, by Rob Myers. And uh, we were talking with him about the PFD, the Permanent Fund, the Size and Scope of Government, which leads us into our next question, um, which I asked every candidate. Um, John, if you had to uh, to put it on a scale, do you think the size and scope of government in Alaska is too big, too small, or just right? What uh, what say you? I was a government employee for 28 years, and as a contract negotiator, during every cycle, I, I'd negotiate three contracts. I'd visit every government building in Fairbanks and in some in Juneau and, and Anchorage. I've talked to the people working there. You know, for years it come down from high, unelected commissioners saying, okay, cut 10%. We don't care how you do it, cut 10%. If there were inefficiencies or not. And it got to a point where you had one person doing two jobs, you had mandatory overtime, you had people that were getting paid benefits different than the person next to them. Now we, we had mass exodus and I, I don't think the services are, people want more services than we're getting now. And we're paying for those services more than we have to because of the turnover rate in the retirement system but uh, I think we have to look at expanding some services. Uh, just what happened on the West Coast with the storm. 
the fires all summer. You know, global warming is going to affect our state. We're going to have to come up with money to address it. And when we can ignore it, it's just going to get worse and cost more to respond rather than to address now. So we, we have to be prepared for it. We just can't say, oh, just pick a number out of the hat and say, only we need 10 people working in that building. It, it just doesn't work like that. So, and, so, to, to, so you're saying that the size and scope of government is too small then. If it was of the three, too small, too big, just right, you're saying it's too small. We need to spend more money on government. I do. I think, and then here again, there's always, like I said, I've been every building in Fairbanks multiple times. You can always find efficiencies, but you can't have one person doing two jobs. You can't have people working mandatory overtime. Now, people take a state job so they don't have to work overtime. They can spend time with their families. You know, I know people working for the state that had to go deliver pizza at night because they couldn't make enough working for the state. Again, we need more revenues. I think the oil company is going to have to step up and pay their fair share. We're not going to subsidize the oil companies anymore. I think the mineral laws that a lot of them written in the 40s and 50s have to be re-looked at, paying what they extract, not on their profit margin, because then they never make a profit. Uh, we do have to build infrastructure so we can access the, the mineral belts. We have to work on the ports so that we can uh, bring in more supplies and export ore. Uh, I think the Deepwater Port in Nome would be a, a good place to start, access the Ambler region. So I, I think we have to look long term so we can make money with our natural resources. Now, I mean, look, I agree. I mean, the one thing that you and I agree on so far is that we definitely need to look at our mineral uh uh, extraction and severance tax. It should be done as, you know, just as I say, you know, gas or, or tax on the wellhead. Same thing for gas, uh, for a tax per ounce or severance tax per ounce. It should not be a net profit scheme. It should be a uh, a gross, just wherever you pull it out of the ground, that's how much you pay on it. I, I would agree with that. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you talked to different employees with different benefit plans. I'm assuming because your, uh, your link here on your website to your issues goes to your interview with the Alaska Beacon and you you say that there should be another benefits plan, uh, that that public employees should have access to a pension. They have access to a pension, uh, to a defined benefits pension right now, but are you saying that we should be going back to the defined benefits program instead of the defined contribution plan that we have now? Yes. And I think they've shown that where the turnover rate, having to retrain people, it's expensive to hire people. Just go through the process and get qualified people. Once you have them on board, train them up. Now they're getting trained up in five years. They take what retirement they have and they take it to a place where they can get to defined benefits. And this happened across all industries. Again, it's not just, I mean, teachers, policemen, University professors, you know, we people are packing up and leaving. The price of housing is too high. There's not enough housing and the wages they're getting. You can't afford to live here. 
But let me go back to the defined benefits program because, again, defined benefits programs across the country have been closing down for the last three decades because of the inordinate costs and the unfunded liability. I mean, we saw the federal government had to come in and bail out Delta and GM. Communities, municipalities, and states have jettisoned their defined benefits program because of the inordinate cost. We still hold a multi-billion dollar unfunded liability from our defined benefits programs that are out there right now, how would you purport to pay for those if we return to a defined benefits program? Well, and that said, we haven't been keeping up on paying for them. Over the years, there, you know, you have to sit there and monitor what percentage is being... Well, I agree uh, with that, but I guess my point is I agree with that. The problem is how do we pay for it moving forward? Again, we still have a multi-billion dollar unfunded liability for the past defined benefits program. If we jump back into it, how do we, as you said, we've got to keep up with it, so how do we pay for it? There we go. It's always back to money, yeah. Well, that's what makes the world go round, uh, like it or not. That's what like I said, you know, g- giving billions of dollars to the oil companies, that's the first thing has to be on chopping block. I mean, right now, they're saying that corporations are people. But for people, they're, they're, they're not good citizens. They're not, they're not members of our community. They don't care about our community or our state. They're foreign companies. They're trying to squeeze every penny they can out of us. And I, the travel industry has to pay. You know, we voted in a, a, a head tax on the travel industry. Right. Legislature went in and cut it down by a third. Uh, there are places to get revenue. The other one, and I know it's not going to be popular, especially on this program, between, what, 20 and 35%? of the workers in the most high paying jobs are from outside. And they come up here, very few of them stay. They might go, you know, pay for a fishing trip or something like that. A lot of them, you know, they'd have a few drinks in the bar and have dinner and leave. Right now, Pogo Mine, they're they're bringing Australians up to work in the mine. I mean, it it, it just can't go on like this. I mean, there's so many things have to change. So are you advocating for a a tax then to to capture some of that money? Is that what you're advocating? I, you know, I I think eventually we're going to have to do that with all these open jobs. You know, the the Mancho Mine Hall, they're talking about having all these truck drivers come up here. I don't think we have people trained and willing to, to work there that we're gonna have an influx of outside workers. If we get a gas line, there's gonna be another influx of workers. The infrastructure bill, we do not have the workers. So the percentage of outside workers coming up here is gonna increase. Uh, Here again. Yeah. He likes to hear it, nobody likes paying it, but we should tap into the people coming up here and benefiting from our state and not contributing to the, the infrastructure. Let me change gears here again. Uh, one final thing before we get ready to wrap up the CONCON, Constitutional Convention. Uh, where do you stand on that? Um, and uh, what are your thoughts on it? I think it would be a stupid idea to open it up. They originally in 55, what, they spent three months and they used other state and U.S. Constitution as template. Uh, with the composition of the legislature, their performance the last 10, 15 years, 
uh, opening up every article, it would be insanity. Uh, I, I, I think it's stupid. There's an amendment process. If people have heartache with the individual amendment, I think it can be tweaked. There's things I'd like to tweak. Well, but we, st we still got the ability to vote on the individual amendments to the, whatever the Constitutional Convention comes out with. The people would still be the final arbiter of that. Do you believe that the people could make those decisions when they come before them uh, after the Constitutional Convention is over? I do not think there should be a Constitutional Convention. I think it should be amendment process, one amendment at a time. I don't think their estimate on how much it costs is realistic. I think it will drag on forever. You're not going to be, people just don't pull in the same direction anymore. You look how the legislature has been performing. If you got the same composition of people, and that's why I'm running, you know, I, I think we need saner heads in Juneau who can work with other people uh, and try to get things done. Look for things that we can agree on and work long term. Opening up convention is going to be a big distraction. All these cultural issues and things that people, and it's going to be from both sides. That's the other thing. You know, there's things in here that conservatives hate and liberals hate, and you open that up, you're not going to reach consensus. And then voting on it, you're going to have people voting on, oh, yeah, I want that article changed, but not that one. And I think it's just too complicated. We've amended the Constitution, what, 28 times? No, in this state, only a couple times. Other states have have uh, have have modified their constitution multiple times. New Hampshire, for example, has done it twenty seven, twenty eight times in the last two hundred well, years. So I'd have to look at my notes on. But we're have... we're coming up to the end here, so I'm I'm up. I've, okay. I've, I'm a slave to the clock. So let me give you the last two minutes here for uh, your final elevator pitch. You know what separates you from your opponent. Uh, you know why should they vote for you? Where do they go to find out more about you, et cetera? Um, I'm not a politician. I'm a public servant. I am not going to serve lifetime in politics. I have no desire to be a politician. Like I said, I, I want to go, go down there, get some done, get stayed on the right track. Uh, four years and out, I believe in term limits. I think people once they get down there and too comfortable, they're, they're not productive and they're playing a game. Uh, yeah, I have a wide range of background experience. I've traveled all over the state, talked to people all over the state, all sorts of industries. Personally, I've worked blue collar, gray collar, white collar. Uh, I'm a lot better writing and you know, I do have technical science background. Uh, speaking on shows like this, not my forte, but uh, <laughs> with time, I'll get better. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there's stark differences between myself and both of my opponents. I, I want to give people a choice. Uh, and like I said, I, I think we can get this state on track. Uh, we, we, we have a lot of work to do and we can't be bickering over cultural issues. Um, some of the things we brought up today shouldn't be addressed until we have a long-term budget plan, long-term infrastructure plan, work in Fairbanks. We're having conflicts between subsurface rights and surface rights. The borough puts in a subdivision 
and then they permit an open pit mine right next to it. I mean, there's got to be more thought in what we do rather than going down there and arguing with each other and you know, going to different corners and saying the blue team and the right. red team. Where, where do folks go to find out about you, John? Uh, John? Uh, got a Facebook page and John Bennett for State Senate website. It's been down for a while. I've had a it's few. A, it's up right now. John Bennett for statesenate.com. It is up right now because uh, I looked at it this morning, so I know it's up and running right now. So you're good to go. John, uh, I'm up against it. Thank you for coming on board. Hold the line for just a second. Appreciate you coming on the program this morning and joining us. Okay, thank you. All right, hold the line for just a second, John. All right, folks, we're out of time. we got more coming up. Your phone call's up next, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. All right, uh, John, uh, one more chance for a second uh, last bite at the apple here. I do want to ask you a question, though, because you said there were cultural things that we discussed this morning that we shouldn't uh, work on until we get a fiscal plan in. What cultural things did we talk about this morning? I'm, uh, I guess I'm a bit confused by that because um, we basically talked about the economy, the PFD, and uh, and oil resources and mineral resources. What are the things that we shouldn't be talking about in your mind? And then sum up for anything we didn't cover today. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah, I think I might have misspoken on the culture. Divisive issues is more what I'm thinking about, and that incorporates cultural that I guess we didn't touch on this time. So divisive issues shouldn't be dealt with until we have a long-term fiscal plan. I give you the last minute, to, minute or two here to anything we didn't cover, any topics I didn't bring up that you, you know, think are important. Uh, you know, your things that you want to attack the first day as a as a senator. You know, give give us your last uh, your last pitch out the door here. Um, you know, I I have worked with people from all different backgrounds, all different regions. Already, I've talked to John Coghill. I had lunch with John Coghill and Click Bishop. I've talked with him. I think I can work with anybody. Uh, I think we have to find things that we have in common, common goals, and strive to reach them. You know, I'm talking with Click, you know, he talked to me about the Dixon diversion, which I'd never heard of, and then the micronuclear plants. I still have some misgivings about that we'll see how the IELTS IELTS thing I would you know here I have a background in hydrology so I'd like to see dams micro dams big dam projects would be make work and take care of the address the high cost of energy in the interior um, pebble mine you know I fished in Bristol Bay so I hear a mine even though I have a geology degree I hear about a mine and you know the red flags go up but Talking to John Coghill, he said, you know, if they didn't do it open pit, maybe they put in drifts and took the ore to Cook Inlet. So I, I am open for other other ways of approaching things. And, you know, everybody has a tendency to approach problems from their point of view. I listen. I'm a listener. I, you know, I'm amazed. You know, I went to KJMP and all the politicians sitting around, they're a bunch of talkers. I, you know, I, I just sat back and listened to them. It's, 
I said, I'm a listener. I, t- I digest it and try to pick out the, the better things and things we can agree on. And I talked with Mike Prax and I said, hey, Mike, do you work with me when I'm in June? And he said, oh, yeah, I'll work with you. And then I said, hey, will you endorse me? And he said, no, I can't endorse you. So we, we'll have some kind of relationship down there. All right, John Bennett again. Uh, John Bennett for statesenate.com is his website. You can find him on Facebook as well. John, thanks for coming on board and joining us this morning. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time and uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, facing the music, so to speak. So we appreciate it. I appreciate the time. It's good practice for me. Yep. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for taking the time. John Bennett, our guest here on the program uh, for this morning. Um, And uh, again, John Bennett for statesenate.com is his website address. Uh, You can uh, find out more about him and the issues and everything else where he stands on that right there. All right, one final segment of the show this morning as we get ready to uh, as we get ready to uh, jump into this. Uh, I, I I'm I'm just sure that there's a fundamental misunderstanding of how the permanent fund works there. I I just yeah. Um, and again, uh, I if you want to know where people if you want to know where people are at. Uh, just follow the people that they work with and follow the people who endorse them and follow the people who are supporting them financially. I just posted a link in the chat room there for all to see, uh, to see who is supporting John in that way as well. You can draw your own conclusions from that. Um, All right. Well, now we know we have a pretty clear choice on that to see where things are going. Um, fundamental misunderstanding of how government is supposed to work. Thank you, Joel. That, uh, that pretty much, pretty much sums it up there. Uh, coming up tomorrow on the program, Brad Keithley, Chris Story, and at the top of the seven o'clock hour, we're going to have Melissa Burnett on who is running for school board in, uh, Fairbanks as well. And, uh, so we'll get a quick, a quick hot take from her 15 minutes or so tomorrow morning, uh, as we talk about things there. And then later on this week, uh, we're going to be talking with Russell Wyatt uh, and uh, Josh Church, who is with Convention Yes, as well as Ginger Bryant on Thursday and Ron Gillum. And then on Friday, we've got a guest from the Second Amendment Foundation. It's either going to be Dave Workman or Alan Gottlieb. We're not sure which one yet, but one of them. Um, There you go. Um, All right. We are ready to go. Uh, we got to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like a chair, like a chair, like a chair. Here we go. Let's do it. Okay. Well, that was interesting. Um, I mean, I have so many questions. I really have so many questions, but uh, I don't think we could have gotten to them all if we'd had an hour and a half to get to them. Specifically, how much government is enough government? 
how much do we need to spend? I mean, we're already spending with state and federal monies like almost $20,000 per person in the state of Alaska. How much do we need to spend to make it? And again, I still have a question as to how tying the permanent fund dividend to oil output would protect the corpus of the fund. I have questions. I mean, I really do. Um, But I guess that's for another day. I guess that's uh, what it is. I got the phone lines open right now. If you would like to sound off, I would love to hear what you have to say at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Hit me with this. Tell me what your thoughts are um, on uh, on anything that we just covered and talked about. Because uh, I'm – the chat room seems a little uh, – the chat room seems a little irate. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, look, I am offering the floor to any candidate that's registered in the state. I, you know, I know some people in the chat room are like, why are you giving this guy a platform? Because it's the open platform to anybody in the state. Any candidate that wants to come on that hasn't come on yet. If you know a candidate that hasn't been on the program yet, call them and tell them I, I, to check their email because I sent every candidate an email. If they had an email address listed in their filing, I send them an email. I want I want people on the pro. I want them to be able to articulate why they want to jump into the into the legislature. I I just all right. Let's go let's go to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. This is Bert at Police. How are you doing today? This is Bert. Where? I'm sorry, you broke up. Where are you, Bert? Uh, Bert, this is Politidic. Oh, hey, hey, Politidic, what's going on? What's happening, my friend? Man, that was a real winner we just had there uh, interviewing with. He's a prime example of why Juno is so dysfunctional and why Alaskans need to take back over control with the CONCON. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, again, I, I, I didn't agree with him. I, I think that, you know, the I mean, I, I agreed with him on one thing, which is uh, usually I can find one thing that I can agree with people on. But I think that there was a lot of, uh, I think that there was a lot of confusion there. I think there's a lot of confusion as to why you want to do things. And again, not being able to explain why you want to do things or how you're going to fund it. I think that's, uh, again, that's part of the problem. We need to have more of those answers. We need to have a definitive plan, not a, uh, you you know, kind of a kumbaya, I feel like it has to be this way. I would like to know how and why. And uh, it's unfortunate that uh, that more candidates don't have kind of a plan in that regard. I mean, after watching the debate for the CONCON uh, con that was held by UAA with the, the, the different people there and the questions that were being asked of them and then seeing the surveyed vote that they had at the very end saying 74% of Alaskans that did vote didn't want to have a con-con. It was, and the questions were so leading that it was all designed to be, here's why you should never have the con-con. Right. And it was all nothing but fear-mongering. Right. Really depressing to watch and to to make Alaskans believe the fear versus the reality that we have control, not them. Come on, Bert. Are you surprised it was put on by the Alaska Public Media and the university and everything? Are you surprised that the questions were leading? I mean, you know, you're shocked. I mean, that's, you know, we knew that was going to happen. 
Well, with anything that the left wing puts on that's controlled 100% by the left wing, there should all be left wing questions. I never expect anything that would put Alaskans first. It's right. always about what funds government and them right. and the special interests that pay for them to be there. Right. No, I agree. Um all right. Well, Bert, thank you. I appreciate you calling in, my friend. I got uh, I got more calls on hold, so I got to get to them here before we run out of daylight. Thank you for sounding off on your call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Ron in North Pole. Hello, sir. And just uh, to issue a quick, a quick kudo to uh, one of your frequent callers, Randy in Fairbanks. Uh, he had a letter to the editor the other day, and... Uh, it's very seldom that Randy and I agree on very much, but uh, he certainly hit dead center in the X-ring. So good for you, Randy. Okay, good. What was the topic of the letter, just out of curiosity? Uh, Mr. Cruz and Miss Therian. Okay. So just the race there. All right. So, what was your take on this? Yeah, uh, uh, one, one, go ahead. Go ahead. I say, what was your take on our guest uh, this you, morning? You, I just wanted to see what you had to say. Run, do not walk away. <laughs> I mean, this is your district, right? So, I mean, you've got to, you've got to, I think you have a clear choice in your district <laughs> Absolutely, now. and I, I believe Mr. Myers is doing a uh, commendable job. Okay. <laughs> All right, Ron, anything else before I let you go? So, uh, no, that's fine. Carry on. All right. Thank, thanks so much for calling in this morning. Uh, let's get over here. We got another call that leaves a line open. Uh, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Well, hello, Randy. You just got your kudos for your letter to the editor. What's uh, what's on your mind here this morning? Yeah, I appreciate Ron bringing that up, my letter to the editor about the uh, city mayor race and the dangers of voting for Valerie Therian, and I sure hope people vote for David Cruz in that particular race. Um, but I want to thank you uh, for kind of clarifying some of the mechanics of the permanent fund with the candidate that you just had on. I, I do think there's sometimes confusion, you know, with the, EFB versus the permanent fund versus the corpus. So, so that was good. You kind of kind of uh, separated things out and kind of illuminated some things there. But uh, uh, yes, on my letter from Saturday, um, I we're at basically a crossroads in this city. Uh, the election is tomorrow, and uh, if we elect Valerie Therian, I'm afraid that we will get this massive sweeping uh, anti-discrimination law, which will basically take away human freedoms to choose what we want. And I think it's totally unnecessary. I think when you shake down employers, you know, from disgruntled employees, using the government gun, I think that's basically armed robbery, and and I'm against it. Whether the the person is suing or trying to force some kind of under-the-table settlement uh, on various categories, whether it be age, you know, religion, or sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, all these things uh, should not be coming up to try to shake down money out of a, a local Fairbanks businessman or a landlord or whatever. So, I, you know, I just don't see the need for it. Uh, I think we should stay a free city. So yep. thank you for that. All right, Randy. Well, thank you for your call and thanks for uh, sounding off uh, this morning. We appreciate it. Uh, and for always being involved. Uh, like we may not always agree, but uh, uh, you are involved and that's the important thing. All right. Uh, yes, we are running... Somebody said, running out of daylight on a morning show? You know what I mean. I mean, come on. I guess running into daylight, that's what Brett says. Running into daylight? Yeah, we're running into daylight. It's getting lighter out there right now. But we are out of time for today's program.
And uh, I just want to appreciate you coming on. Like I said, we may not always agree with the guests, but I enjoy having people with a different viewpoint on um, and trying to dissect why they think the way that they think and how they think that they're going to solve the problems. Um, and I, again, I wish that there were, I guess I wish that there were more answers. I guess that there, I wish there were more answers. Like I said, I have questions, so many questions. Um, Brad Keithley, Chris Story on the program tomorrow as usual, plus Melissa Burnett running for city, uh, excuse me, for school board. And then on Wednesday, we're going to talk with the constitutional yes people, the con yes, and with candidate Russell Wyatt. So that's it for today. Be kind, love one another, live well. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. There was some pain involved in that interview. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I should. I feel like I shouldn't have to explain how things work to a candidate. I just feel like that would be a better idea. And this idea that more money um, is going to solve the problem. More money to government because they've done such a good job with what they have right now. Um, yeah. I, again, I have I have so many questions. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to rabbit hole so bad on some, and I did a little bit. But I wanted to rabbit hole so bad on some of those comments. I just. Let's, folks, I, I just I hope you get out there and vote. I hope you get out there and vote. And I hope you put back in the people that are going to fix the problem. You better drop some money to Rob Myers. You better drop some money to what? Who else did he say? Uh, Click Bishop. So you better drop some money to Elijah Verhagen. Better try and get some of these other people involved, even if it's twenty bucks. We we got to get we got to get the business as usual crowd out. We got John Coghill out. Can we get Click Bishop out? Can we get Bert Stedman out? Can we get? I don't know. Well, that's it for today. I'm done with the internet for today. That's it right there. We got to go. Thank you, my friends. We will see you tomorrow.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 